Walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the Pecan Podcast. Hello, friends. It's me, Pastor Courtney. It is so good to be with you on this August day. We were in the backyard with the kids the other day, and Wilson, who was four, looked up and said, why those clouds in front of the sun? And I just realized he is such a California child that even a couple of clouds, he's like, why is that happening? Where's my fully blue sky? Um, we are enjoying the weather. We are enjoying the backyard. We, we have been reflecting lately as a family on what the kingdom of God looks like. And one of the signs in our family life of the kingdom of God was last week, I got a text from a neighbor of ours who has three young kids and is planning a home renovation. And they said, you know, we have this swing set in our in our yard. It's a little bit um, old and sun beaten, but we're getting rid of it. Would you guys like it? We'll bring it over. We'll help you set it up for free. And we said, that would be great. And sometimes the kingdom of God looks like a used but brand new to us swing set in the middle of a long pandemic summer. What does the kingdom of God look like for you today? When we see those beautiful offerings of daily bread from the Lord, encouragement when we need it, grace when we need it, friendship when we need it. Sometimes it's that card in the mail when you're having a really hard day or a phone call from a friend. Sometimes it is a weather-beaten swing set. The kids wake up now in the morning and they run outside. And I know that won't last forever. It is new for us right now. It won't be new forever. But for the moment, being able to finish a cup of coffee that is still warm is what the kingdom of God looks like for us in our home. I am thinking of you today, friends. We are going to be praying this morning for our small business owners We have many, many small business owners in our church and many, many more in our community who are really just working so hard through this pandemic to be creative. People are cutting hair on the sidewalk and installing plastic partitions at the grocery store and just going above and beyond to protect their clientele. And those types of creative creative solutions are beautiful to see, but they're also really mentally and emotionally and sometimes financially taxing for those small business owners. The regulations change and uh, many, many businesses have had to cut down on the number of customers they can serve, especially restaurants and bars and and um, facilities like that. So we want to lift up our small business owners in prayer. God sees you and the hard work that you are doing to just be faithful in your business to your employees, to your customers, to your bottom line. To make ends meet in a pandemic is a very different thing than making ends meet was back in January. So we are praying for you. We want to lift you up. We are, uh, as pastors, hearing stories of the different ways the stress of the pandemic has affected people, and I would love to hear those stories, uh, how you're doing, 
how things have been for you, you can email me anytime, courtney.ellis at mypcom.com. My address is available on the church website as well, my email address. And um, it, one story that really stuck with me, I was speaking to a friend who is married to an emergency room doctor, and they're around Daryl and my age. And she said, you know, at the at the start of this and in January and February, my husband had this dark brown beard. And she's like, now he shaves it off because he has to shave it off to fit under his mask and to be um, as safe as possible and not let any air in. But she's like, he had three days off in a row and he didn't shave and his beard started to grow back and it was white. And she said, you know, I know he's been stressed. We've all been stressed. His job is really, really hard right now. But I hadn't realized till that moment just how much stress he'd been under. And for so many of us, that shows up in physical ways. I have pandemic wrinkles <laughs> that I did not have before this. There is a, a line between my eyes that has appeared and I think will be with me for life as a reminder every time I look in the mirror of, of leadership in, in a season of crisis. Um, so we are praying for our small business owners, and I would love to hear stories of what this pandemic has done to you. Maybe it has also marked you physically. We have friends who have uh, contracted the coronavirus, and some of them have been fine. They had a stuffy nose or no symptoms at all, and others have been through the ringer, ended up on ventilators, and are learning how to walk again. So this, this pandemic is marking us all emotionally and spiritually, and many of us it's marking physically as well. And I take great comfort in knowing that God sees us, sees our steps, sees our struggles, sees our hearts, that every white beard that is newly whitened, that every pandemic wrinkle, that every person who is learning to walk after time on a ventilator all of us are seen by God and loved by God. We are not alone. We are not alone in these struggles. So let's pray for our small business owners and please do share those stories with me. I would love to hear them. And I, I've been reflecting a little bit this week on things that help us through. And one of the things that can help us through difficult seasons is engaging in new things. That might be a new hobby. That might be a new habit. Uh, we have started doing takeout or delivery once a week. Um, it's just, it's something our family has started to rely upon one day a week where we're not going to do dishes. And last week I ordered Chinese fruit, food from P.F. Chang's, which we haven't done in a long time. We ordered Chinese food maybe a year ago from P.F. Chang's. The kids turned up their noses. They didn't touch it. They were mad at me for getting them such terrible food. And I took a risk and they ate every morsel. Even Felicity, she's 22 months old, even Felicity ate every single bite and they are now begging for more. And they said, that was so amazing. And I think it was amazing because we aren't going out to eat and we are mostly cooking at home, but a new flavor changed their night. They were thrilled. So what new flavors, new hobbies, new experiences is God bringing into your life? Maybe those are very quiet things. Maybe you are watching things bloom in a window box that you never would have sat still long enough to notice. I'm noticing things about my children that I normally wouldn't notice. I see these incremental changes in them when 
in pre-pandemic times when I wasn't spending almost every hour of every day with them, I wouldn't have noticed. So what is new for you? This desire for newness, for change, for excitement, this is God-given. There is this beautiful passage at the very end of the Bible in the book of Revelation where God says, Behold, behold, I am making all things new. And we can think of the things in our life that don't work so well anymore because they're not new. I, I can't I can't jog anymore. I have this old soccer injury that plagues me. I can walk, I can bike, but I can't run and I miss running. And the idea of a new ankle is so appealing. Relationships that are healed and whole, people whose bodies become young again. This desire for newness is God-given, which is why it's often so exciting to try a new food or travel to a new place. I got a really sweet email from someone in the congregation a couple of weeks ago, and I'm, I'm, I was checking in, seeing how they were doing, and they said, you know, I'm just pouting because I can't take my trip this year. And I feel that. I do. I feel that, that this desire for newness, to see a new place, to go to a new place is really deep. And when we're not able to do those things, we miss that sense of newness. So what new things are you experiencing, however big or however small? And how is God using those to to bless you? We are going to do Chinese food again next week, and the kids can't wait. One of the things that has so surprised me over these past four months is how easy it has been to fall into unhelpful cycles of thought. So for me, the first few weeks of the pandemic and the shutdowns and the stay-at-home requirements, I was checking the news and checking the news and checking the news, right? And my cycle of thought was, this is going to get bad. This is going to get bad. This is going to get bad. And it was really hard to get out of that cycle. About mid-July, the cycle was, what's going to happen with school? What's going to happen with school? And I found myself just returning to this question and this worry and this fear time after time during the day. And in a conversation with a dear friend, I have a friend who is a pastor out on the East Coast, we were talking about this and she was admitting to falling into similar unhelpful cycles of thought and hers were different than mine, but they were no less troublesome. And I began to remember an experience I had in in college and we talked it through and I wanted to share this story with you because I've found it I found it really helpful when those worries come up, and we're going to read about worry in the scripture in just a couple of minutes. The Bible speaks to this. Often what we do with worry is we try to head at it straight on, like, I just won't think about that. And that's usually not possible, right? If someone tells you not to think about polar bears, ready? Don't think about polar bears. What are you thinking about? (laughs) Right? It, It doesn't work to hit it head on. And what does work is something very different and and very surprising. And and so this, this is the story. Back when I was in college, I spent one summer working at a camp in central Wisconsin. I was their adventure team director, which meant I oversaw the rock climbing wall and the rock climbing trips and also the whitewater trips. And Wisconsin's rivers are fairly tame. We were on the Wolf River in central Wisconsin, which is not the Snake River or the Mississippi or the Rio Grande or anything you might think of when you think about actual whitewater. 
Um, but when it rained, the river would get pretty high and the features that were normally a class one rapid, which is basically flat river or a class two rapid, which is, um, small and not scary would, would rise to class three rapids or class four, like they would get bigger. Um, and they would get scarier. And one trip on the river, we went down to scout it out beforehand because there had been a lot of rain. And we looked down into the river and there was something, a water feature that's called a hole or it's called a terminal hydraulic. And these are very, very dangerous features because they basically function like a front-loading washing machine. The water just goes around and around and around and around and not much of the water ever spits out of that hole. So if you get stuck in a hole, if you get stuck in a hydraulic, sometimes they're called a washer. If you get stuck there, you fall out of your boat and you get stuck there, it's fairly easy to drown because that water will just cycle you around and around and around and it it won't spit you out. And I was talking to uh, a friend who is an experienced whitewater guide. And I said, you know, we're going to, we're going to avoid this washer, but just in case someone falls out of their boat or I fall out of my boat, and we land here, what do we do? How do you get out of a washer? Because all of the usual remedies, right? Someone standing on the shore and throwing a rope or someone handing you an oar might not work if you are under the surface of the water the whole time being tossed and turned. And she said, you know, the way out of this cycle, this water cycle is pretty terrifying. But what whitewater experts often recommend, and if you are going whitewater rafting, please do check with your this is for all you listeners. Please do check with your guide, with your resource. I'm not an expert on this in any regard, but her story stuck with me. She said, what you need to do is very counterintuitive and quite risky, but often the only way to get out of this cycle is to take off your life preserver and to try to swim down, to swim down into that washer where often there will be an undercurrent of water that will spit you out into the rest of the main river where you can get back to the surface. And I remember being terrified and and a little bit haunted by that story. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. That's so scary. But I, I, I've been thinking about that in my conversations with this pastor and friend about unhelpful cycles of thought in this pandemic. And often what we try to do is muscle our way out or say, I just won't think about that. But what we need instead is a creative, is a creative solution. We can't just do the same things and expect to change. We need something that's so out of the box and so kooky, right? Take off your life preserver, dive down deep. Wow, really? And one of the things that she and I have found is helping us with these cycles of thought is replacing these cycles of thought with other things to think about. So it's not don't think about polar bears, it's think about something else instead. And the most helpful tool I've found is the memorization of scripture. So if and when you wake in the middle of the night, I often wake in the middle of the night and think, how are we going to manage three kids and online distance learning? Or how are we going to, you know, when when will I be able to travel and see my grandparents again? When, when will that be a wise thing? rather than cycle and cycle and fret and worry to bring up the words of scripture, especially the words of the Psalms. The Psalms cry out to God. There is lament. There is frustration. There is rage. There is longing. There is joy. We as a, as a family have memorized Psalm 91 
we're working on Psalm 42. We've memorized Psalm 23. And now in the middle of the night or the middle of the day, when these cycles come back, suddenly I have a tool. I have a tool. I am able to dive down deeper. And now it is not on my shoulders to get out of this unhelpful cycle of worry, but God is present to me and in me and through me. And these words of scripture begin to guide me forward and out. Right? Psalm 42, verse 5, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. And in keeping with our water theme, deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. So I want to encourage each one of you out there. Many of you have reached out to me and talked about the struggle of isolation. You're, you're older or you're immunocompromised, and it's easy to be alone for a couple of weeks, but it's really hard to be alone for months upon months and know that winter is coming and the vaccine may be a ways off. Many of you have reached out to me and said, I'm juggling a career and children, and I'm so exhausted. I don't know how I'm going to get through the day. And whichever end of that spectrum you may find yourselves on this morning, I just want to encourage you that these words of scripture are life and manna and joy and grace, and they are for you. And often all that can break the cycle of worry is something totally different than that worry that takes us out of that worry, that breaks that cycle. Dive down deeper and let the river carry you out and up and forward. Three recommendations I wanted to share, um, things that I've been watching, listening to, enjoying lately. Um, I love the feedback when I hear from some of you, I read that book and it was fabulous, or I read that book years ago and I'm so glad you enjoyed it too. Um, so let me know, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What has been life-giving to you? Um, Dwight Woodruff, who is the Building and Grounds elder at our church, uh, he has been in a book club for many, many years. And when I run short of novels to read, I reach out to Dwight and he has yet to steer me wrong. He's got some great book recommendations. Um, but today I wanted to share um, one book recommendation, one podcast, and one game that we've been enjoying as a family. So first, the game. It is a card game. You can get it online for 6 or $7. It's super affordable, but it's called Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. It is good for probably kids five and up. Wilson's a little too young for it, but Lincoln loves it, and it's fast-paced, and it involves slapping. You know kids, they love card games that involve slapping the deck. And you do need three players or more, which makes it a little tricky. Uh, Daryl and I both have to be available, which doesn't happen much these days. But luckily, you can play a whole game in just 10 minutes or so. So highly recommend Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza. Lots of fun for the kids in your life, for the grandkids in your life. Secondly, a podcast that I have been loving lately is called The Osterholm Report, O-S-T-E-R-H-O-L-M. You can find that on 
Spotify. You can find that on Apple Podcasts. You can just Google Osterholm Report. He is a Minnesota epidemiologist who has worked. um, He has not worked under the Trump administration, but he has worked under the last five presidents before President Donald Trump in helping shape public health policy. He is wise and thoughtful and non-anxious, and every week he tackles a couple of questions like, should schools reopen and how? Or how should I visit my grandparents and make sure I can help keep them safe? Or I have a suppressed immune system, what should I do? He also tackles questions like how he sees the pandemic moving. He predicts what he sees to come in the months and weeks ahead. He talks about numbers and statistics. And I think what I appreciate most about him is he is not afraid to say, I'm not sure. I need to study that further. So super smart. He's at the University of Minnesota and comes with wonderful qualified credentials. Um, But I have just really been enjoying his podcast. It comes out just about once a week, and it is incredibly thoughtful. He does not take a particular political position, which I also appreciate. He just talks about the science and what he sees as good guidance for everyone from older adults to young families to administrators. He's very kind. He's very encouraging. And I have found his advice to be very, very helpful um, for me as a leader, helping to to lead the church through some of these pandemic-related decisions, but also just as a mom and a United States citizen thinking about how to care for my neighbor. So highly recommend the Osterholm Report. And finally, my book recommendation for this week, I know it's August, but I want to recommend the book November. Lincoln's Elegy at Gettysburg by Kent Graham. It is a nonfiction book, and it talks through the life of Abraham Lincoln and intertwines with the author's own life as he visits Gettysburg and thinks through um, his own experiences of grief and loss and history. Kent Graham was a professor of mine at Wheaton College. And right after this book came out, it was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. And Dr. Graham was this very, he's this very humble, thoughtful, quiet man, very, very soft-spoken. He's from Wisconsin and just has that kind of self-deprecating, he's a brilliant scholar, but you would never know it because he's just wearing a flannel shirt and blue jeans at the grocery store checkout line kind of a guy. And He came into class and his teaching assistant said, you should all know that Dr. Graham was nominated for the Pulitzer this summer. And he looked at his shoes and then he looked at all of us and he said, lots of people were nominated. And then he started class (laughs) and just wonderful, wonderful, thoughtful, faithful Christian man. But this book is profound and beautiful. Um, I love studying history around Abraham Lincoln and his legacy. Um, Our oldest son is named Lincoln, so you can tell we love Lincoln in our house. But this book is just really, really fantastic. And it's it's melancholy and it's faith-filled and um, it's very rich and very deep. And I highly recommend it. So if you're looking for a read that would take you into November... Highly recommend November, Lincoln's Elegy at Gettysburg. And as always, I will link to the Osterholm Report and Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza and November, Lincoln's Elegy at Gettysburg in the show notes. 
Let me know what you're reading, what you're thinking about. Maybe you found a great game to play with your kids or grandkids this summer, a podcast that you're loving. Send those my way. I love to learn and grow right along with you. I wanted to share our scripture passage. I'm preaching this upcoming Sunday. We're in our series in the Gospel of Matthew, the return of the King. And I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 32. And this may be a very familiar passage to to many of you, many of you listening out there. Um, But even so, let God speak it into your heart, into your soul anew. Many passages of scripture for me have come to life in a new way, in a different way in this pandemic because I am different. We are different. Our nation is different. Our neighborhoods are different. Our schools and our businesses and our churches are different. And God's word is the same, but it speaks differently into our lives. Things strike our ears in a different way when we have a new experience. We may read the same psalm our entire lives, and different phrases, different images will hit us in different ways. If you read about God leading you beside still waters, and you're walking beside a quiet lake, it will strike you differently than if you read about still waters when you are on a storm-tossed ship. Right? One will connect with you as, oh, this is what it's like. And one will connect with you in terms of, oh, I wish, I wish that's what it was like. So listen now to the word of the Lord from Matthew's gospel. This is Jesus speaking as part of the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you for being with me today, friends. It is a joy and an honor to be with you. I so enjoy these connections. I love the emails and responses to the podcast. Keep them coming. Send me questions. Send me thoughts. Send me disagreements. Send me feedback. Anything that's going on, I would love to hear about it and be in it with you just as God is in it with you. I look forward to being with you next week. And until then, take care, be well, and God bless.